0: It's true, we each have a story, and this is the title of our series. It's called Prone to Wander, because we all wander, we all drift, we all go our own separate way. It's something that each of us have. Maybe your story, I guarantee your story is not exactly like his, we all have a unique one, but the point is the point is true, we each wander, we each wander in life. I don't know what you're doing here. Maybe this is your church. If it is, welcome. It's good to see you. Welcome home. If you're looking for a church, I just want to say this is a church for everyone. We'd be honored if you would call this church your church, your home. That's fantastic. But there's some of us, I know, um, and I'm glad you're here, but you're not sure about this church thing. You're not sure about this faith thing, this God thing, this Jesus guy. You're trying to figure it out. You got some questions. And I wanted to say to you also, you're, you're at the right place. You absolutely came to the right place. This is a place you can explore faith in a fun and authentic atmosphere. Um, you might not realize this, but you and Jesus have a lot in common. Um, One thing that Jesus said, which we're, we're going to talk about today, you might have actually thought, it may be one of the things preventing you from really jumping and saying, okay, I'm a person of faith, is that Jesus said this. We're going to talk about it. It's that religion has been a huge cause of pain and suffering in the world. Jesus said that. We're actually going to talk about it today. And I know a lot of people who, they don't want to believe in God because of that idea, of that fact. But you and Jesus agree. You're on the same page that has caused so much pain and suffering in the world. And we're going to discuss it today. We're in a two-parter from last week. If you missed it, that's okay. You can check out the podcast, which hundreds of you are doing. We love that. Thanks for hanging out with us there. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a recap. But before we do, we're in this story, this parable, which is the way Jesus taught in these stories. Um, and it's, it's with an older sibling and a younger sibling. So I want to know where are the older siblings, the good-looking ones, the mature ones, the responsible ones... Okay, there you go. Where are the younger ones, the favorites, the babies, the free spirits? Okay, clearly the, clearly the favorite. Um, where are the middle ones? I forgot you. You've been forgotten your whole life. You've probably been forgotten your whole life, so nothing's new. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, it's so funny. Do y'all remember that show, Dinosaur or Dinosaurs? It was the creepy, they had the puppets. Do y'all remember the baby? He would say, I'm the baby, gotta gotta love me. Look at this demonic little creature. It's a nightmarish little fiend. Um, It was this puppet, and if you don't know it, don't look it up. It's not worth your time. But he said, I'm the baby, gotta love me. I'm the baby, gotta love me. That's kind of what today is about. You'll see that in just a second. Being the younger sibling has its perks, it really does. The idea is that, y'all, we are prone to wander. We drift. We drift. We have spiritual ADD, which means we don't, maybe we're focused on God and then we focus, maybe we've never been focused on God, but we drift. We look to things to capture our attention, to give us purpose, meaning, value. If it's relationships, if it's excitement, if it's drugs, whatever it is, we look for other things other than God to scratch that itch, to fulfill our soul, to give us identity and purpose. I taught you a word last week. It's kind of the theme of the series. It's repent. That meaning is simple. It just means turn back. The idea of Christianity is not that you need a little sprinkle of Jesus. He's not pumpkin spice. You don't add him a little here, a little bit there to sweeten things up, okay? If you're feeling folly, all right? You want to put on your scarf and your sweater. I know you're, some of y'all got excited about wearing your cardigans today. Don't you lie to me. You are fired up about it. All right? Jesus doesn't say you need a little bit of him. He says you got to go all in. He says you got to just turn around, turn back. And that's what we're talking about. The series Prone to Wander" is based on um, a song, which we'll sing later. It's actually one of the few songs I know all about repentance. I don't think we like to talk about repentance because we have to admit we've done wrong or we have to turn back. We don't like to talk about this. We're into self-esteem, baby. Have a high self-esteem, positive self-esteem, stay confident, believe in yourself. You've heard that your whole life. That's in every Disney movie, Pixar flick. That's just what we say. And the idea of repenting, The idea of admitting I'm going the wrong way, I have to turn around is so countercultural. We don't often talk about it, but we're going to talk about it today because it doesn't suck the life out of you. It actually brings you joy and humility and purpose. And I think our world is desperately hurting for it. The song says this, we're going to sing it later. Here's the words. It says, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. The idea is this, that I'm just a drifter, that I love you, God. I know you have a plan for me. I know you have a purpose for my life, but I just drift. I go off this way, that way, all over the place. It's what each and every one of us do. And it really ties into the scripture we're talking about. Before we hit the scripture, one more thing I want to say. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no one is past redemption. There's no line where if you cross it, God can't bring you back. I just want you to know that today because someone here believes that. Someone feels you're beyond love, you're damaged goods. You've gone too far. You've said too much. You've been abused too much. But I wanted to tell you, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life and you're the apple of his eye. He loves you so much. He loves you so, so, so much. He really, really does. But this might surprise you, but that belief that I'm too far gone, that's not the most dangerous thought you can have when it comes to God. It's not that we're too far gone. The most dangerous thought is this. The most dangerous thought is thinking that we don't need redemption that we don't need God, that we're fine spiritually on our own. I might need a sprinkle here or there. I'm pretty good. I just need a little help. No, no, no. Jesus had a lot to say about it. And it's what we're talking about today. We're going to finish a two-parter. And we talked about this last week, but I'm going to finish it because Jesus challenged and changed the way that we view sin, that we view God, and that we view salvation. Let's pray and we'll kick things off. Father God, thank you for good times. Thank you that we get to gather and party and celebrate you and meet new people and chug pumpkin spice drinks and eat pumpkin spice cookies in church, in this middle school. God, we just thank you for that. Continue to work in our midst, please, God. Help us know you in a deeper way. God, um, if anyone has a spirit of offense today, based on anything I say, God, I ask that you dig deep, reveal some things and cover some things and challenge us deeper. God, help us get to know you in every single way. And may some of us repent today. If if we need to do that, in your son's good name. Amen. So let me tell you this story last week, if you missed it. You maybe heard it. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus said this. He said, there was a father who had two sons. The younger son essentially went to dad and said, dad, can you die already? Can you get out of here? Can you kick the bucket? Because I want the inheritance. I want your stuff. I like your car. I like your boat. I want it, okay? And you'd think the father would just kick him out and say you're crazy. The father does it. He sells a good chunk of his property, gives his young, this younger son the money, and the younger son blows it. He goes off to Vegas, let's say. He goes off to a city, blows it, completely blows it. Not like a bad investment, but I'm talking drinking and drugs and sex, prostitutes, parties, buying the bar, yacht parties, just going ham, going crazy, having a blast. And then one day he's broke. He has nothing left. He has nothing left. He ends up literally in a mud pit feeding pigs. You'd think with all that money, he would have made some friends they weren't in it for the friendship, they were in it for the stuff. He has no friends. He has no hope. He finds a job, the lowest of the low on the social ladder. He's feeding pigs. He's knee deep in mud and schlop. And what my son might say is poo-poo. Okay. It's not a good place to be from being a VIP to that. He has this moment though. He says, you know what? In my dad's house, my dad has a business. He's got some money. My dad's workers are better off than I am. Maybe I'll go home. Maybe he won't welcome me back as a son, but maybe I could work for him. Conditions will be better there than here. So I'm gonna turn back. I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna go back. And so he goes back. He's walking home and he probably thinks his father's gonna whomp him going to chew him out, going to say, you embarrassed me, you've embarrassed the community, you've wasted something I've worked my entire life for, get out of here, you embarrassment. But the father sees him coming and the father runs to the younger son, even though he's covered in mud. And you know what he does? He keeps giving. He gives him a ring and a robe and shoes on his feet and he throws a party. He said, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's been found. And they, he killed what maybe is their most valuable possession, a fatted calf. It took time, but the dad said, Son, he said, We're having steak tonight, baby. We're having some ribeye, medium rare, the way it's supposed to be. We're going, Yes, amen. So we're going to do it right. We're going to do it right. Amen. Amen. So here's where we, here we go. Okay. I told you two sons. And when we read the story, we get here and we say, Yes, that's sin. Prostitutes. You know, pigs die. that's sin. But Jesus had a lot more to say about it. Follow me, Luke 15, 25 to 32. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. We almost forgot about him. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother's come, he replied. And your father has killed the fat calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. And refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He's being a grade A butt. He's just being a butt. Okay, your brother's back. First off, he's not dead. Okay, he's on jail. He's back. He's here. Okay, we're having steak. Come on. Not going in. <laughs> he's being a grade A butt. The younger son was lost. We get it. And that's what we think sin is, right? Drugs, drinking, running off, embarrassing the family name, acting a fool. No, 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 it's true, but there's two ways to be lost. There's two ways to be separated from God. One's easy to find that way. I call that younger brother lostness. That's the big one. That's easy to find. That's how some of us are, but there's a different one, a sneakier one, which Jesus is highlighting. I call it older brother lostness, O-B-L, not O-B-J, not Odell Beckham Jr. Where's he at? Uh oh. Any Giants fans in the house? I'm sorry. It's a rough, it's a rough. It's a rough. It's a rough time. He shouldn't be smiling based on their record. Uh, he should not. But y'all, no one had ever heard anything like this. Just so you see what Jesus is saying, don't miss it. This is what he's saying. He's saying, look, younger son, lover of prostitutes, he's with the father. He's inside the party. The older son, the good one, the moral one, the rule abider, he's outside. Lover of prostitutes with the father inside. But this moral upstanding member of the community is outside the party, hands crossed, refusing to go in. Nobody had ever heard of a concept of God like this. In order for this to make sense, we have to realize who Jesus is speaking to. He's talking to two groups. He's talking to these religious people, Pharisees, scribes, religious folks. And he's talking to the unchurched people, the prostitutes, tax collectors. They're there. Both groups are there. And what Jesus does brilliantly, he puts both groups into the story. The the wild ones, the wild folk, they're the younger brothers. They're the younger brothers. And the mean ones, the ones who are kind of the butts okay? They're the older brothers. Those are the religious people. Jesus, brilliantly, he's talking to them. He put both of them. He weaves them into the story. He weaves them into the story. Have you ever had a religious person judge you? Have you ever had one condemn you? They give you a look. It looks like this. They go, That's what they do. And you're like, what are you thinking? And if you call them out, it gets worse. They lose it. They explode. This is what you may not know. The people on the friends, the younger brother types, they love Jesus. They couldn't get enough of him. They adored him. They followed him all over. But the religious people, those are the ones who got him killed. The older brother types. They didn't quite like him as much. Jesus just really laid into him. Matthew 21, 31. Jesus is talking to religious people. These people didn't miss church. They read their Bibles. They had part of it memorized or maybe all of it. These are very good people, moral citizens. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors who are outsiders and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Jesus went up to the religious elite and he said, see those prostitutes over there? Yeah, they're going to heaven and you're not. They're going in ahead of you. And that just enraged them. That set them on fire. The people who have an issue receiving God's grace, believing the good news that Jesus died for their sins, really having that deep heart change are not younger brothers, but older brothers. It's the older brothers. Younger brothers don't need to be convinced that they need grace. Younger brothers down in the muck and mire don't need to be told they need a second chance. The people who have the hardest time connecting with God are those who believe deep down that they don't really need him. And you may not admit that. They probably never had that thought. But we have this thought sometimes, I'm pretty good. I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. I'm a spiritual taxpayer. I went to church. I invited somebody. I went Christmas, Easter. I went a few times here and there. I didn't kill anybody. I'm pretty good. You see, younger brother lostness is easy to identify. No one feels like they are the older brother. Nobody feels like they are older brother lost. Do y'all remember that guy, Jeff Foxworthy? What a weird transition I'm making. Where is he going with this? Do y'all remember that dude? He had this line. He'd say, you might be a redneck if, and he would say something. Like you may be a redneck if you leave your Christmas lights up all year. You may be a redneck if you're using a tire as like a lawn ornament, okay? He had all these things. Do do y'all remember this guy? You remember him? I don't know what he's doing now. The last time I saw him, he was in a, uh, a Golden Corral commercial. You might be a redneck if you're the Golden Corral spokesperson. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, my man, Jeff. Well, I'm going to take a line from Jeff, and I'm going to tell you, you might be an older brother if, and I'm going to give you five examples, five questions to ask yourself just to see what's going on in your heart. The first one is this. Are you more busy or more joyful? Because older brothers are busy. He was working in the field. They didn't have a text thread and he just didn't check his phone, okay? People heard about it. They saw the party. It's at his house for crying out loud. They saw the party. They went, they spread the word. He was so focused in his work. He was so, he was grinding. He was working hard. He was so focused, he missed it. Did you know you could be so busy that you can miss what God is doing in your midst? He absolutely can be. The older brother missed the party. He didn't even know his brother was back. He completely missed it. And you can be so busy working on that degree, grinding at work, putting in overtime, raising those kids, trying to get that promotion. Those are all good things I said, but you can be so busy. You can miss what God's trying to do in your midst. Even with spiritual things, you can be working for the father, just like this guy was. You could be so busy reading your Bible in those groups, serving the homeless, coming here early, unloading the trailer, saying, i got my Ascent shirt on. I'm good to go, baby. You can be so busy, you can miss what he's doing. I do not want you to look back at the end of your life and realize I was so busy, I missed it. He had a calling for me. He had a plan for me. He had an opportunity for me. He wanted usually for this or that. He wanted me to start this or finish that. But I was so busy I didn't take the time to investigate it. I didn't take the time to go for the risk because I was so busy. And everything I said was good things. Turn to your neighbor, say, don't miss it. Say, turn to the other one, say he's throwing a party. He's throwing a party. God's throwing a party. And if you're so busy, you might miss it. We, leadership here, we miss it all the time. I was, you shouldn't look at numbers too much because comparison's trouble, but sometimes I do. And last week I looked and I said, how many people were here last year? Same Sunday, 151 last year. Last week, over 300. God doubled this church in a year. That is unheard of. That's amazing. That's a party. That's a cause to celebrate. I was telling leaders, they're like, I didn't even notice. It's because they were busy. I was talking to some of our kid leaders, and they're amazing. And I said, I looked last year, you know how many kids we had? Like 18, 23 kids in October. Last week, we had 50. I said, it's over doubled in a year. And they said, we didn't even notice. And I said, I didn't notice either. Sometimes you're so busy, you forget to stop and celebrate. 59 59 people have gone public with their faith through the waters of baptism in just a year. And guys, we got to be excited about that. We got to celebrate that. We got to not be so busy correcting mistakes, checking boxes, doing our thing, cramming our face full of donuts, all right? Chugging pumpkin coffee that we forget that he's throwing a party. Yo, I want this to feel like a party. Church should feel like a celebration, all right? Now, we're not here for us. We're here for him. But at the same time, we should be celebrating because he's just doing so much. This is something I want to tell you today. It may hurt your feelings, but I want to lay it on you because physically you can be close to God. But spiritually, you can be an eternity away. Physically, you can be close to him. Meaning I got an ascent magnet on my car. I give to the church. I love the homeless. I did my version Bible plan this week. All right, physically, you can do that. You can do the right things to say. You can go to a Bible study, but spiritually, you can be an eternity away from him. That's what happened to the older brother. He was close to the father. They had dinner every night, saw him every morning. They worked together all the time. But as you can see, spiritually, he couldn't have been more far. Isaiah the prophet says this. He said, the Lord says this. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. Meaning they sing the songs. They listen to Caleb. You know what I'm saying? They check it off. They're like, I did my little praise on the way to work or I didn't cuss anyone out. I was praising Jesus. Okay. You know what? I'm good. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they've been taught. Y'all, it's easy to make things a checklist. It's ironic. There's a Bible app, you version, and it, every day I get a notification. It's like, did you read me today? And I'm like, yes. And it feels good checking it off. But it's a danger. It's a danger thinking I'm good. That's all God requires of me. I check my box. I said my, my three-minute prayer. I read my Bible. I'm good. I'm good. It's a great danger. Verse 29, let's continue Jesus' story. But he answered his father. Older brother answered. He said, look. A better, different translation may be, look, you. Turn your neighbor, say, look, you. Look at the other one, point at him, point him real good. Say, look, you. Now, some of y'all would have gotten walloped if you talked to your dad like that, okay? Today, it's disrespectful. Back in the day, this was a huge insult. The party's being thrown. He's asking the father to leave the feast. And when he comes outside, he's going to publicly insult him. Look you. He doesn't call him father. doesn't call him sir. He says, look you. All, all these years. I don't know what that was. All these years. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe. We don't know. <laughs> he says, look you. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Look at his heart being opened and revealed. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him brother. When this son of yours comes home who squandered your property with prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fat calf for him. Fat calf was an expensive thing and the father does it without batting an eye. You can see the older brother's heart. What a weirdo. I wanted a young goat. <laughs> if you called me and said, T-Lane... Got a party, you want to come? I'd be like, holler at your boy, what's going on? And you were like, I got a young goat. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm busy. I don't know what that's, what? Now, if, we, if you bait me with a Chick-fil-A party tray, I'm down. Or a tray from cookout. Double burger, cheddar style, ranch wrap, Cajun wrap, huge tea, or milkshake for 99 cent more. <laughs> don't you awe uh, me. Healthy people eating kale. I'm fine with the kale eaters, but I'm going to cookout. (laughs) Hashtag trays for days. Some of y'all have been all at the cookout, tagging me on Instagram, tagging me, hashtag trays for days. I get excited about it. So y'all just keep, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Number two, you may be an older brother if, here's a question, do you ever feel like others need God more than you do? I've seen this shirt and it's funny, but some of y'all have had this Saw You see somebody and you go, you kind of like, y'all need Jesus. <laughs> and it's true, they do need Jesus, but it almost applies, you need him, I don't. You need him, I need him, we all need him. I have this little trick I do. I've done it with some of you and I apologize in advance. But if someone is maybe spiritually struggling or they're asking questions, sometimes I ask them this little quiz, just, just kind of see where their heart's at. I say, how much grace do you think you need on a scale of one to 10? And the answer is always 10. For everyone, at all times, it's 10. But if you're ever like, ah, eight or nine, you're implying something. You're implying, I need grace, but maybe not as much as her, or him, or her. It reveals so much about our hearts. It really, really does. And listen, I'm not trying to be a stalker. Usually I'm over here, but I see some of y'all worshiping. I see some of y'all raising your hands. I see some of you crying a little bit. Some of you even falling on your knees. I see some of y'all praising him like he's giving you some Grace. Praising him like you admit I'm a 10. I'm a 10 day in and day out. Praising him like he got you through some stuff. Like he's getting you through that divorce. Like he's bringing you through that fear. Like he's giving you hope again. That is how I see you praising him. And I love that because you say, I'm a 10. I need his grace. I need it every morning, every evening. I absolutely need it. Number three, if you're taking notes, this is a big one. This is one I think we all are older brothers. Have you ever been frustrated or disappointed with God? I have. Did you see what the older brother said? He's telling God how to spend his stuff. How to use his power, how to dispense his grace. There's two ways in which we try to control the father's stuff. The younger brother said, Give me your stuff. He sold it, ditched it, just blew it partying. But the older brother is also trying to control the father's things in a different way. He's controlling it by staying close. He's going to be a moral person, a good person. So God kind of has to do what he wants. Do you see the entitlement there? Do you see the ownership? He should have given me more, him less. Did you notice that what he says? He said, you gave him the fatted calf. You didn't even give me a little goat. It's not his stuff. It's the father's. But he acts, he's acting like he has claim to it. He's acting like it really is his. And I guarantee the reason why is because, did you hear what he said? He just said, he said, I've never disobeyed you. Everything you said I've done. So therefore it's mine. I earn it. I deserve it a little bit. We act like this. You might not act like it, but we act like if I'm a Christian, if I go to church, I pray. Maybe some bad things will happen to me, but there's got to be some type of, there's got to be some level where if I'm a really good Christian, it won't get that bad. It might be a little bad, but it won't, it won't be that bad. Bad things only happen to people who really don't have God in their life. But I don't know if that's the case. I don't know why God does what he does. I don't know how things work out all the time. Now, this comes out in an ugly way because sometimes we get mad because maybe someone gets sick. And our idea is, look, I've been a good person. I've gone to church. I've done my thing. I've, been, I've given to church. Then this shouldn't have happened. We may not say it, but we think it. I am a good person. I prayed. Why did I not get that job? Why is he not calling me back? That's what happens. That's what we do. I was at Chick-fil-A one time, and I don't know why these are all food analogies. I must have been hungry when I was writing... But I got the 12-count nugget. Y'all know the 12-count nugget? Brian, you know the 12-count? You know all. He's giving me a nod, all right? And I'm sorry to get you excited about Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. But I didn't think about that. Ugh. But I ordered the 12, and you know what they did? They gave me 13. My pleasure. No, no Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I was just so, I was just happy. And I dipped it. I do the buffalo and then the ranch. And then I pop it. hmm But you know what? The next time I went, I ordered 12 more and they just gave me 12. But you know what? I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't mad because the other one was an act of grace. Chick-fil-A didn't owe me a 13th nugget. I didn't deserve it. I didn't own it. I didn't didn't have a right to put my foot down. Me acting like this older brother would be me at Chick-fil-A putting my foot down, flipping my tray and saying, how dare you not give me something that's not mine? It's not for me to say. It's not for me to say. Number four, if you're writing notes, do you seek results from God over intimacy with God? This is a hard one because I want to ask you, do you pray more for stuff or more for closeness? Do you pray more for things of God? God, help the weather be good for this. God, give me that raise. God, may this deal go through. God, help so-and-so do this. God, help so-and-so do that. Or do you pray more to get to know him closer? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. You see, both sons wanted the father's things, but not the father. There's two ways to control God, two ways to be lost. The younger son did it by literally running it away. The older son did it by staying close, but feeling he had to stay. They both try to control the father and the father's stuff. Tim Keller says this. He says that motives matter. Intimacy matters. He says this. He says the most dangerous thing that keeps us from the love of the Father isn't our sin, but our damnable good works. What the heck does that mean? Y'all are smug. You're like, oh, I know what that means. I get it. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I was totally thinking the same thing. What he's saying is this. The main thing that separates from God isn't when we're in the pit, when we're in the mud, isn't all our sin. It's when we do good and think he owes us one. Because we set ourselves up as our own God, and we're like, I don't really need you. Get out of here. I don't need grace. I don't need redemption. It's our damnable good works. Does God want us to do good works? Absolutely. But there's a different. There's a huge difference between giving out of the love of our heart and doing something because we feel like we're going to earn something. Motives matter. If it's your spouse, if you're married, right, or you're dating somebody, if you're, let's say you're married, okay? If you're being nice to your spouse just to get something, it's going to blow up. it may work one time, but it's going to blow up. But rather, if you're just a good husband, a good wife, if you build that intimacy, those things you want are probably going to happen anyway because you're close. You're close together, but you're not doing it for the stuff. You're doing it for the person. It's the same way with God. We have to seek intimacy with him. And you know what? Even if he does say no, you have what's most important. Let's finish the story. 31, my son, the father said... Look how kind this father is. He said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, the, young, the older brother said, this son of yours, he puts it back on him. He said, hey, don't forget, he's your brother. Okay, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I didn't notice this until recently, but the older brother, he didn't even go see his little brother. He refused to go in. He didn't even want to look at him. They didn't know if he was in jail. They didn't know if he'd been taken a prisoner or a slave. They didn't know if he was killed. And finally, they find out he's alive. They find out he's back. They're throwing a party. They're eating steak. And he doesn't even want to look at them. Question five for you. Do you ever view yourself above anyone else? You may not want to interact with those people. They got a little too many tattoos for me. They're doing, I'm not perfect. I might mess up, but I would never do that sin they're doing. I would never commit that. I'm not one of those people. I don't want to be in a group with those people. I don't want to serve with those people. I don't want to be with those people. That's what the older brother did. I want to close here because Jesus was a masterful storyteller. Remember, he's sitting with two groups. The religious people who didn't like him, their older brothers, and the younger people who adored him, they're the younger brothers. They're all sitting around a table and he's telling these stories. He tells three stories in a row. Luke 15, look it up sometime. The three stories go like this. The first one, he says, look, our God is like this. He's like a shepherd and we're like the sheep. And he's got a hundred sheep and 99 are fine, but one, just one little sheep goes astray. And you know what God does? He loves you so much. He's gonna leave the 99. He's gonna grab the one, put it on his shoulders, carry it back, and then we're gonna throw a party. Jesus is saying that you are the apple of God's eye, that you are something of infinite value that God absolutely loves, that you're worth fighting for, that you're worth risking for. And when God brings you home, he wants to celebrate you. Not just him, but everyone's throwing a party. Jesus tells another story just to get it through our thick heads. But because for some reason, sometimes we don't feel that valuable. Sometimes we feel like we've messed up so much, we've dropped the ball so much, we're so maybe damaged goods we feel. We feel like God maybe loves us, but not as much as he used to. I wanted to tell you the amount he loves you has never changed and it never will change. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. Jesus tells another story about this woman. She has 10 coins. She loses one. She loses 10% of her net worth. And she did what you would do. She stopped everything and she's gonna find it. She turns on all the lights. She stops her plans and she searches and searches and she searches and you know what? She finds it. She finds that coin. She brings it back. And you know what she does? She celebrates She tells everybody, she celebrates. Jesus is trying to bash it into our heads. Look, you are something of great value. You wander, we drift, we go astray, but God loves you so much. He's gonna go out, bring you back home and we're gonna celebrate. And then the third story is this, the the parable of the lost sons. This is the climax. And if you were a good listener and I didn't catch it at first either. So I'm not blaming you. This culture was an oral culture. They grabbed things a little better than we did. You'd see something's missing in this story. We see this pattern over and over, but something's missing with this one. And they probably said, wait, this one's a little different. Because if you remember the younger brother, what does he do? He goes off, he ends up in the mud, in the muck. And does someone come and rescue him? No, that's different from all the other stories. He had this heart change, this moment he repented and he came back. And the original hearers would have said, wait, something's off. Something's wrong. Why is this story different from the rest here? Remember, Jesus is speaking to two groups, two groups, and he's about to insult one of them. He's about to challenge one of them, because who do the older brothers represent? The religious people, the Pharisees, the scribes. Whose job was it to bring the younger brother home? The older brother. It wasn't the father's. He was in charge of the estate. He had important things to do. It should have been the older brother who said, you know what? My little brother, he's young. He's making mistakes. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to put myself at risk. I'm going to seek out and find him. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And when I find him, even if he's in the mud, I'm going to climb in the mud with him, in the slop with him. I'm going to pick him up, even if he's half dead, and I'm going to carry him home at my own expense. That's what a good older brother would have done. That's what he was supposed to do. And when Jesus is telling this story, he's calling out the religious leaders. He's looking at half of the room and he's saying, You've completely neglected the other half of this room. You haven't done anything to help them. You haven't done anything to lift them out of the mud. You've completely ignored them. You've completely ignored them. Some of y'all are in the mud right now. You feel like the little brother, you feel like the younger brother. You're in the muck, you're in the mud. Maybe you can relate to some of Jeremiah's story. You don't quite know what to do, but Jesus Christ is trying to tell us something. Jesus Christ is trying to tell us that Jesus is our true older brother who comes to seek and save us when we are in the mud. Jesus Christ did this. He left the side of the father to go to put himself in danger to bring his little brothers, that's us, back home. But Jesus Christ didn't just leave The father's estate. No, no, no. He came from heaven to earth. And he didn't just go into a distant country into the mud. No, no, no. He went in the mud. He went all the way to the cross. He didn't just get covered in muck picking us up. He got covered in our sin itself to bring us back to the father, to throw a party, to celebrate. Jesus Christ is our true older brother who's watching you. He's got your back. He loves you. He's there in the father's house and he desires more than anything else to bring you home. Jesus is also saying religion may have failed you. It may have dropped the ball. You may have your heart broken from a bad experience or maybe you've tried this religion thing. It didn't work. Jesus is saying it causes a lot of pain, but you shouldn't turn to it. You should turn to him. He and he alone can bring us home. And if you right now, if you're in the month, If you're in the mire, if you think he doesn't want me, he doesn't want anything to do with me, I'm done, I'm washed up. You need to realize you're the apple of his eye. He's waiting for you to come home and he did everything that was required. He climbed upon that cross. He took upon my, on his shoulders, my sin, your sin. He took the weight of the world. He paid it in full. He died as our substitute to bring us home. He went through great danger for me and for you. Let us believe into that today. Let let that change the way we wander. Let that change the way we drift. Let that change the way we react when we find ourselves lost, knowing that we have an older brother that has our back, that rests everything to bring it home. Let us go to him in prayer. Join me. Jesus, I thank you that you are our older brother. I thank you, God, that you're showing that religion has failed but that you are our true older brother. Our older brother religion failed. It didn't work. It didn't do what it took. But you, God, you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for our sins. God, Jesus, rather, you left the father's side. You went to a dangerous place. You went to the cross. You got down in the mud. You covered yourself in our sin, our shame, our darkness, and you bore us home. God, may we celebrate that. May we throw that party. May we live in our salvation as if it's a party, as if it is the greatest news we have ever heard because it certainly is. And God, empower this church to carry out that mission, to seek and save the lost, to bring home lost coins and lost sheep and lost brothers and lost sisters and lost children and lost marriages and lost hope to bring it home only through your shoulders. Because God, you're the only one who can, bear it, who can carry it. We love you, God. We pray all these things in your son's sweet name. Amen.